ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 85 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network or the DAP Network, if you will. And obviously, we will. We do it every week. Special show tonight. We got all three co hosts here. We'll go to my chair to my right, I guess, technically my left. I don't know how you're looking at it. I got Rocky with me. How are you doing tonight, Rocky? Doing great. Excited for this show tonight. We got an awesome guest. Happy to be with both of you guys tonight. Uh, I'm just going to shut up and so we can get right to it. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to be taking a lot of notes tonight. This is, this is the best kind <laughs> of show. Uh, obviously, then the other co-host of the Dynasty Junkies, Scott Sidlow. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Hey, man. Uh, same, same thing here. Let's let's keep it short and sweet and, and let's give our guest the floor here because we got a uh, I had so many questions. I literally had like three pages that I've written probably over the last year. And I was like, okay, let's maybe narrow that down a little bit. I don't want to keep the guy till midnight. So uh, yeah, man, let's, uh, let's jump right into it. And, and uh, hey, let's, let's learn some shit, right? That's right. That's right. Well, of course, in case you haven't seen, if you're watching live on YouTube or on on, uh, Twitter or wherever you are, we got the one and only Matt Waldman with us this week. How you doing tonight, Matt? I'm doing great, fellas. Thanks so much for having me. And, you know, this should be a lot of fun. It seems like a fun vibe already. Well, and this definitely is is the busy time of year for you. So we really appreciate the time uh, coming on here. I know you uh, you do something this this time of year. The last few years, you've been kind of busy with something. I don't know what it is, though. You want you want to fill everybody in maybe on what it is you do for everybody in the fantasy community? Yeah, I write this little pamphlet. It's it, <laughs> it's, it's about five pages long, but you know, it takes me about a month to type a letter at a time. Um, it's called the Rookie Scouting Portfolio, and I've been doing it since 2006. So this is year 17. It's getting close wow, to graduation. Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, it is a publication that is devoted to studying um, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. And it's, and I would say it's arguably the most comprehensive look that you will get out there either in fantasy football or in real football. Um, It's, it's, it started out as kind of a, as an experiment that I did as a fantasy writer over at fftoday.com back in the day with Mike um, Kruger and Mike McGregor and thought, let's see whether this is something that is something I want to continue to do. And it was probably a few, you know, a couple hundred pages maybe at at most. Um, And it was, and it probably covered like 50 or 60 players, I I think. And it's grown since then quite a bit um, (laughs) to the point that it's it's a, a it's a tome and it's, you you know, and it takes you through my process. And that's part of what it really is all about is that I have a former operations manager background um, and I wanted to be transparent about the process that I use that were kind of a best practice process um, for evaluating performance. And it was really set on just kind of building itself 
um, building on itself so that I could get better at watching football. And, you know, over the past, you know, 17 years, it's, it's evolved into something that not only do fantasy players, especially dynasty players use a lot. It's also something that I've been told by like Alex Brown, who's a recruit, the re recruiting head at um, SMU, the director of recruiting and has worked at Rice and Houston before that, that, you know, that it is one of the most purchased that and Dane Brugler's guide are the two most purchased mm -hmm. guide for cross-checking um, players by scouts that come by and visit wow. what they do. So, you know, I've had some Impressive. fun stories and feedback yes. with that. And that's a, that's my fantasy now is like my <laughs> fantasy stuff is, you know, is getting hearing from people who are like, you know, connected to major college football and, 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 you know, pro game who tell me about things like that and, and, and that those kinds of experiences. So it's become kind of like, it's, it's like fantasy. It's, it's, it's geared towards fantasy audiences. It has a, a nod of the tip of the hat to fit fancy audiences, but I'd say it's football approved. And that's really the, that's where I try and look at it. I was going to say, it kind of bridges that gap. A lot of us that play fantasy football are interested in real football and that's why we play fantasy. Right. And that's, you know, we obviously watch the games and it's just another way to enjoy the games. And I feel like what, what you do with the rookie scouting portfolio from what I've seen of it and what I've read of it and things like that, it, it really bridges that gap between the two. I think perfectly. It, it takes a very complex, uh, very complicated situation in the NFL and all these different positions and all these different things and all these different ways to do it. And it kind of breaks it down for fantasy players in a way that's easy to digest and kind of, Oh, okay. I can put my head on that and make, make sense of that. Um, and that's actually why I like a lot of what you do is because it, for a weird way, it kind of smartens me up while dumbing it down. Right. It makes me feel like I'm learning something, but not like a painful process. It makes it so I can actually digest this information. So that's why, again, we're just, we're glad to have you. And if you want to just talk for 45 minutes or whatever you got, I mean, we can just listen. That's fine. Uh, we do have some obvious topics that I think we want to hit. And, and I want to, we kind of already hit it into a little bit, but it sounds like you were doing fantasy work before you did the scouting work. And that was kind of what led you into the RSP. Um, but what was it about scouting, I guess, that made it feel like that was a gap in your knowledge? What was it about that that drew you to scouting from fantasy, I guess? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, I started playing fantasy football probably in the early 90s and, you know, office league, just like a lot of people. And and it was one of those things where I just kind of had a knack for picking rookies. It was one of those things mm. that, you know, I I I was in Athens, Georgia with a bunch of guys and they, and they were writing for fan, for fantasy sites like KFFL and and oh, doing yeah. some work with their newswire and those were guys were into it and they were they were good and we you know like everybody who gets in this industry you read some of the magazines and you go oh man I could do that you right? know <laughs> we could do better than those guys you know I mean you just think it's always hubris. that way yeah. it's that hubris exactly yeah. so a lot of those guys were doing that and and so I got into it um, you know, I, I think I wrote a guest article for football guys in 2000 and, um, you know, David Dobbs was like, would you like to write some more? 
And I was like, let me think about it. And then I said, no, basically, and didn't, <laughs> didn't do anything. And then like around 2003, I had this whole idea that I wanted to do like a mock draft site um, and have like this automated, you know, like, you know, it's not new now, but back then I wanted <laughs> to have like the whole automated smart draft kind of thing that, you yeah. do, that the sites do. And we were trying to build it and I needed to write content for it. And I had been a and I had done some journalism and done some freelance writing and I thought I'll write some stuff and and I got into that. But I all my articles were on like this rookie Brian Westbrook, you know, this kid out of Villanova, you know, you know, one me and started, you know, looking at guys like that. <laughs> or Frank Gore's better than you think. He's not, you know, he's a guy that actually could have a really great career, even though no ACLs, twice, okay. you know, all that kind of stuff. Or <laughs> yeah. Larry Fitzgerald is the greatest ball catcher I've seen. You know, outside of this guy, Brandon Lloyd, who I really like, too, you know, and it's oh, like man. those types of things would happen. And you'd have, you know, I'd pick players and and I'd find myself in drafts like we, you know, everybody would laugh at me because I'd go, I'm going to I'm going to skip Marshall Falk in the first round with the Rams and I'm going to pick Edron James with the Colts, you know, and people would laugh and then I, then they'd be paying me money. And it was like, <laughs> so the rookie thing seemed to be my, my jam, even though like trying to scout, I'd find that, you know, with the guy with kids and, you know, been in my mid thirties and being management that I would turn on the tape and go, I'm going to watch Steven Jackson. And I'd get on the couch, have some popcorn, maybe have a beer and, and, Two and a half hours later, I'd wake up in the fourth quarter with like, you know, <laughs> with like a drool stained page and a, you know, you, you know, and something I can't read and my cat sleeping on, on me, you know. So it was like at some point I just I realized that I wanted to build on a strength and get better at it and thought for content, what could I do content wise that would be helpful and help me get better at delivering fantasy content? And it was and it was really about scouting talent. And because I had been in this operations management role and had then moved to this kind of quality management role where I was in charge of a uh, really the, the quality effort for a 10,000 member, 10,000 employee company where we were monitoring processes. And it was, you know, I worked in a call center industry, okay? But still, it was, I had to get certification that was based on best practices in manufacturing for for evaluating how you do a process and the whole pro the whole best practice was built on it gets better if you really follow the process and define things and do all that and i'm reading you know and i'm thinking about how i got into the draft because of brian westbrook really you know and and thinking about all of these things and how it really didn't differ much from corporate america yeah in terms of how people look at things they they give you the impressive view you know, in the tailored suit kind of high up view that's there to kind of like shock and awe you. Right. And then when you look at it, you go, they still put their pants on the same goofy way everybody else does, you know, <laughs> sometimes worse and sometimes more inept than, than you do, even though you're wearing Wranglers and they might be wearing, you know, um, Armani. You know that yeah. it's it's the same deal. So well, I you, feel like I don't put my pants on right after you say that. Like, wait, they put it on. I, the, on I still way. put them. I still put them on the same goofy way. Exactly. So you know, whatever you know. So, <laughs> but I mean, but it's one of those deals that you, you know, down the line, I just thought this might be cool to get better at scouting, and I did it in the first year as an experiment. You know, I I had to like take my my 
my desktop to like a hotel. We had a we had a friend who was in management at this local hotel in Athens, and she gave me like a friends and family rate for the week. And I, so I can get away from everybody and say, this is my vacation for the year. And I go. planned it for like six months and was like, I'm going to try and watch like 40 or 50 of these players because I'm woefully behind. I don't have time. And I, I'm either going to hate this or I'm going to love it at the end of it. And yeah, and as the story goes, I watched nearly 130 hours of tape that week. I like logged it because I wanted to see how long it would take and and barely slept. And, you know, and I and I loved it. And I like, I was tired and I loved it. And I was like, yeah, I have the bug. I have the illness. And that was kind of how that came about. Well, that's awesome. And I think that's that's, incredible. That's one of those things that I I guess is if you have the bug, you know it, right. And you found it. And and that's kind of, once you find it, it's hard to let that go. Right. And that's sort of why you've been doing it this long. And I think one of the things I love about your process is you lay it out kind of like what you just said, like the only way to get better is to kind of the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? Like, let's just put it out there. We're addicted to this. We're on the Dynasty right. Addicts Network. So you're in a good good we're spot junkies. here, Matt. You can, yeah, we're junkies. We, we all get, yeah. exactly, give me my fix. But the catch of that is like, you you realize, okay, I'm doing it this way. Let me, let me explain what I'm doing. Let me find where I can get better and then tweak it. And then I think that's what I like about it is that you're not perfect. You're never perfect. You're always getting better. You're always trying something new. You're always finding a new a gap that can be filled. And I think that's what I really respect about your work is that it's not, it's very humble, right? It doesn't come off as wearing an Armani suit. You're wearing Wranglers and you're like, I'm just doing this for me. And I'm other people seem to like it. So I'll keep doing it. And that's something that I don't think everybody has. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. Well, I appreciate that. Cause it's a craft, you know, and you are gonna, I mean, sometimes I was right and had no idea why, like <laughs> I remember the first year, I had Mike Bell, who was a running back for the Denver Broncos, I think ranked sixth on my board, and he went undrafted. And Ooh. like, and I remember thinking, well, it's my first year. What the hell do I know? You know, so it's <laughs> like I'm trying this, trying to figure it out. And next thing you know, he's the starter as a rookie, you know. And yeah. and while he didn't have a long career, you know, he showed some Not stuff that, that that he could be that he could play in the league and that he could win over some established veterans for Mike Shanahan. You know, so it was like, okay, so maybe there is something here. I don't know why I had that right. You know, (laughs) let let me try and look back and figure that out. And it's, and that's part of the thing. It's like, there are, so, and part of it is in anybody who's doing scouting, who's going to act like, whether it's scouting or analytical type of scouting, if they're on one extreme or the other, if they're going to act, if they're going to sit there and throw stones at other people Mm. for their work, you know, for, you know, that they miss on stuff, then they're fools because it's really one of those things that everyone has to learn. And scouting is such a small part of it. Part So much of it is, is the guy have all the ability in the word, world, but is he willing to work? Is oh, he yeah. willing to improve? Is he coachable? Is he, you know, none of us do these interviews, even the guys who are the, the, the big box draft folks. You know, they're asking other people what those folks think about those players personally and then have yeah. to count on those editorializations. I mean, so it's a game you know, of telephone operator, right? Where like the actual truth yeah. is buried somewhere in there and it's hard to pull yeah. those nuggets out. Yep, exactly. So for yeah. So for me, it is it's it's about the process. And I'd had lots of people come to me and go, we should take your process to the NFL and you should try and scale this and try and sell. And I'm like, no, I don't want to sell anything. 
no, I don't want to met, you know, and I'd usually have people go, do you know what scaling means? And I'm sitting there going, yeah, I, I, you know, it's like I, I used to scale operations for, you know, all the time with this kind of stuff, but it was always fun to have salesmen try to come to me to do this. (laughs) And it's like, no, dude, this is mine. Like I want to actually, instead of managing people and having the problems that you have of like, that are just normal everyday stuff that people can't help themselves, but be, I'd rather just count on myself and see what it is and make it a craft. So well, it also adds a lot of variables, right? It adds a whole bunch of new wrinkles. And it's like, hey, I'm barely figuring my own out. You know, you want me to add others in there? Like, come on, let me let me get this going on myself. I that, totally get that logic. That's yep. exactly right. So, you know, I've gotten better with with this as a result of that. And and to have and when someone like a, you know, in 2011, I had someone and I've described this person recently in an article who is who's a type of person who has a degree, has a master's degree in stats, has a master's degree in biomechanics, played at the division one level at, you know, as a starter, scouted multiple teams, and then also worked in a capacity with most of the league, even if unbeknownst to most of the league, what capacities he worked with each of those teams separately with. And he wrote me in 2011 at a time that it was, I was wondering if I was going to keep doing this. And it really came at the right time because he said, listen, man, he goes, you still have things to learn as a scout. I'm not going to compare you to 20 year veterans out there, but your process is light years ahead of what the NFL is and started showing me scouting reports and started sharing things with me to the point that it was like, you know, he's like, your process is great. Like you're going to get where you need to go because you're, you're working on this stuff and I want to validate to you a lot of the things that you're already seeing. Cause what I described in this article, I called him a mentor and he wrote me back. He goes, I'm not your mentor. He goes, I'm just showing you things you already knew and right. just showing you behind the curtain. What was there? So it was kind of nice, but like it's, it was that kind of thing that helped me stay on the right track because you learn, you learn that it is that you know that what you're learning is, goes beyond the jargon or the the that whole curtain you know of because he go i thought you worked in the league he goes the stuff you would identify and go this is bs or the way this happens is so stupid or you know and i would and i wouldn't say it that way in writing but i would just say these are opportunities that they had these are things that make don't make a lot of sense if you really look at it from a business perspective or from you know this level even though i've never been in the league i've got to think this is kind of nutty and and he would write me and go yeah it absolutely is and here's why and then he would meet with like me and maybe gene or a couple other people um at senior bowl it would be funny because he'd go okay can we meet somewhere outside of town because i don't want scouts you know seeing who where i'm at and some people i know to this day who have really good relationships with know him as like an assistant coach for one team or uh or a quality control specialist with another team or something else when he's actually a guy who had direct lines with gms doing analytics and, and scouting um and gene bramwell would joke he's the guy who would call bullshit to a scout to an injury expert and to an analytics person in but in the public sphere. Um, and on that note, is. I mean, on that note, I mean, like, do you do you pay attention more to the film or do you do you pay attention to the data? Right? Like, there's always there's all these this discussion, and and we'll get into the 21 class or 22 class. I'm sorry, here in a minute, yeah. but I mean, like, our, we've got a listener question here, John McGlynn. I'm in a couple leagues with this guy. He's a good guy. He says here, as a former player, 
How do you watch film without knowing what the play is? You don't know what exactly everyone's going to everyone's supposed to do. QB reads, wide receiver routes, defensive mistakes. Like, how do you look at the film like that? And then how do you apply stats? And how do you look at the numbers for that? And then we can kind of go from there into the 22 class. Yeah. That, those are all great questions. And I, I'm glad John's on. I, he's he's someone I always see on Twitter. So, you know, John, appreciate you listening. Um, <laughs> you know, I would say this. It's, you know, from that perspective, it's it's about watching a million times each play a lot of times, you know, because really – what you're looking for are at, at first when I would do this, I'd play this game of I spy. And the reason the rookie scouting portfolio was so long is because I would write down everything I saw. And then over time I started to learn that, okay, you start to realize what the plays are. There are only so right. many plays that are run. So eventually you start to learn, Oh, this is power. This is a counter play. This is a draw play. This is, you know, this is a smash concept or, you know, or these are, you know, or even if you're not even looking at concepts the way you see a lot of the X and O's guys talk about, I can go, well, this looks familiar. This guy's running a corner route, and then they're running a short out beneath it or a little comeback. This is the type of thing I see. Or they're both running the same type of routes on each side of the field. This is a mirror concept. So you start to like eliminate, separate the, the dark from the dark and see the patterns. Yeah. And then part of it, too, is that you start – the biggest thing you learn, John, too, with this is that – it's not so much about it's really about identifying what the player did with all the potential things that he's supposed to do to put himself and his teammates in a position for a positive play. Mm. So it's not necessarily whether the play was run correct. Sometimes it's about the play running correctly or people doing or not doing their part. But a lot of it is the best scouting is learning how to, um, play within the player playing within his control to control his destiny. So that way you start to realize, okay, if the guy isn't getting production, but he's doing everything he's supposed to do and it's technically sound, it's conceptually sound and you can see the athletic ability there, then that works out. Now there are situations that you may not have answers to where just like any scout, you'd wish that you could go to the coach and the player yeah, and go get a bug in their ear, right? Yeah. yeah. How were you supposed to be coached on this play? Like, yeah. What I was the intent here? What What yeah. were you thinking? When, and not yeah. necessarily negative, like, but literally, what were you yeah. thinking when this all went down? Yeah, I'd love yeah. to hear some of that. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there are certain plays. There's certain plays where you might not know why. Like, you might look at it and go, "Was the receiver supposed to break a certain way on this route, and the quarterback was throwing it that way?" Or was it the quarterback just inaccurate? And right. you may not know, but you find that you find that those plays are like a handful. You and they aren't as yeah. big of a difference as you would think. So yeah. you know, in terms of the numbers, when you bring up the numbers, you know, my whole as Dwayne as Dwayne McFarland at PFF would say, when he contacted me and we started working together, he he just laughed because he said. Everyone thinks like you're just this film only guy. And he goes, you're more analytics than most of the analytics people, but they don't realize you're doing it with film right? Um, because your whole process <laughs> is about taking a subjective thing and giving a definitive, you know, a defined criteria with it and then giving weighted numbers to it and then tracking all of it and putting it in databases or in spreadsheets now, you know, and 
and putting it in a way where you can look it up. So when someone back in the day, and I don't want to, I don't want to make them look bad because they're they're terrific at what they do. But they once brought up, I said something about how most running backs, you know, if they can't um, win a direct collision with a, at least a safety, if not a linebacker, mm. um, you know, far and away, most of them do not perform well in the league as a starter long-term. And somebody said, well, do you have the data for that? And I said, as a matter of fact, yeah, I do. Actually, and, yeah. I, and I like, count, and like in 20 minutes, I counted up, like I've looked at 800. I don't remember what the number, but I'm going to guess. I, said, I think I've looked at 750 running backs at this point. And here are two that I have listed who failed that criteria point that I mentioned and who actually have had um, starter worthy numbers for one season in the league. One of them was Marlon Mack. You know, oh, mm. and it was that was it. I said he they've been so the to me the exception proves the rule. And yeah. I remember somebody like who was an analytics person who likes throwing stones said something along those lines, and the guy said, Listen, he has the data. He yeah. Shut me, he shut me up. That's what <laughs> I wanted to know. And he has the data, and the data's all there, and it makes sense, you know. So See, that that's another you know, thing. You're bridging this gap between film and analytics, well, too, Matt. You're just bring groups together. I mean, I'm I'm just gonna go back to our our uh, data versus film uh, argument over the summer, and I mean, I was right. The definitive answer is right here. It's both. It's it both. both. It's both. Yep. It's absolutely. It's both. both. I look at the con. You know, I've got stuff right now that I'm I'm looking at with, you know, this class especially, I, and we'll get into it obviously soon. But I look at you know, there's a lot with this class where there's very little separating a lot of these players. And right. for me right now on film, like there's a lot of things I'm looking at. And part of it too is you judging speed, acceleration, and short area quickness. There's things you can see that give you a, a window into that, but you still, you still need the workouts to help you to an extent. They yep. can help contextualize it a little bit more. Now, the thing is where it gets dangerous is like players like Dalvin Cook where Dalvin Cook was a, infamously a guy who it, can't cut. Like, he can't cut and he can't jump. And so everyone, mm. you know, the people who were pure analytics were like, oh, this guy's not as good as you would think. And then the, and then the <clears throat> film guys were right maybe for the wrong reason because they, if they were all film, they were like, well, this stuff looks good. to wear Olympics. He looks good on tape. He's productive. And the real answer was that the way he runs, the way he runs is an anomaly. So what stylistically he does at a high level doesn't fit what the workouts at the combine try to model. And this oh, is what a lot of that's position, a whole other thing. Yep. And, and that's what a lot of position coaches will tell you who are experts who work with like Sean Miska, who is a a a, a coach um, who's worked with Everson Griffin. Um, and a number of pass rushers, he'll be like, "What? There's going to be a day because if the if agents really wanted to be like, let's fix the combine, let's not do the boycott about having your trainers there. Let's right. focus on getting workouts that actually mimic what the players right. do. 
And so rather than having them taught to the test, but Dalvin Cook was a good example of a guy who has what Sean Miska termed that I've made a little more popular in the fantasy space, curvy linear movement, which is ability to bend around <laughs> yeah. a, a, a tar, a, a, you know, an obstacle at a high speed. And that's what Dalvin Cook did great because he can't hard, make hard cuts, but he can bend around you, he you know, like to. one of those street yeah. cycles. So he doesn't need to. So, that's that three cone drill is useless. So if he had a slow yeah. three cone drill or a sh- or a slow um, shuttle, or a, right. a short slow shuttle and a short vertical right. leap, who cares? Throw right. it out because you you know he's he's basically making fools out of guys who did have those qualities on defense. You know, yeah. so that's part of why you got to do both together, yeah. and and it is important. You know, and and it's one of those things that. Sometimes you can look at a guy and love certain aspects of their games, and then you look at this number and you go, "That's important to me." Like I, I, I that helps contextualize where he wins and where he won't. Well, so on that note, let's get into the QBs, right? Yeah. Let's talk about some of these guys. So, who is your favorite? And I know that's kind of a loaded question, and it's vague on purpose. But like, who would you say is your favorite QB that you've scouted in this class? Well, it's between two guys right now. And the guy, you know, I just had Matt Corral as a, a subject of our film room, and I and I like him. He's one of my favorites, but I think my favorite might be Carson Strong, um, because <laughs> the deep. more I watch him, the more I watch him, the more I think if the knee's healthy, he could be the top quarterback in this class. Mm. But it's, and you know, part of it is is that he's very good in the pocket. And he processes things fast. So he's a, to me, the quarterback position really comes down to, and this is a conversation I had with a former scout who, who is called Honest NFL on Twitter, who's a good follow. And we talked about the fact that it doesn't matter, you know, once you have the baselines of arm strength, speed, you know, ability to throw the ball with accuracy, what's, and it doesn't matter whether you can read the field you know, on at a level on a whiteboard in a classroom and be able to say, you know, it doesn't matter whether you can go to your fifth read or not, you know, what matters is when things go awry or when things are happening at high pressure situations, when the stage is set where you, it's like, it's the fourth quarter and you're down by four and you have to score and it's second and 11. Do you see that say, do you see where the safeties align and put everything together and go, this is a shot play I've got to make, or are you going to check it down? So you you're know? saying Carson Strong is one of those, he makes the play kind of guy, right? He, like he's got that intangible, that, that thing you really can't put a data point to, he, right? That's well, kind of what he, you're saying. Almost. I'm, I'm saying he makes the, actually, I would say he makes the right decisions and those, and there's like four or five data points, but you got to put them together to right. be able to, that intangible to me, I call it the it factors, integrated techniques. So he's integrated certain decision makings with leverage. He's integrated certain decision makings with accuracy. And he's understood where, when and where and how to throw that ball as well as to, and if it involves also avoiding people, how to efficiently do all of that. And so, yeah. Well, I was gonna so, say, so would that be like your your best trait? Like, is that the one you look for the most in quarterback? Is that not necessarily all of making. those things, but decision making, right? And yep. that's and all those things fall on a lot of those things fall under that. Yes, decision making by far. <laughs> the speed, 
the speed in which you process information and come up with solutions and be and not only find the solution but being in a position to throw the ball because there's yeah. a lot of guys who like Kenny Pickett's a good example he may have he does a great job separately being able to avoid pressure and then throw the ball but can he be in a position where he has to where he has to make a quick evasive maneuver and get rid of the ball and be in position to take advantage of what he sees and some guys don't do that well even though he's great at finding his fifth read but when but when an unblocked defender comes his way four steps away and he's like freaks out and yes, now instead yeah. of like Carson Carson um, strong will bait that defender mainly because he doesn't have a choice because he can't move but like he's you know he moves okay but like he's not elusive like Kenny Pickett right. he makes the wild plays that everyone's going to see on ESPN but like he's a guy that will bait to one step make the the quick move Tom Brady does that very well um so do some of the most mobile guys and then be in a position to get the ball out like that whereas Kenny Pickett he might have to when he feels that pressure that's unblocked and he's not expecting it not only does he not just make that little move, it's more like he ducks his head, the ball goes like way out here, you know, his body's in a position where it takes him longer to get to reset to throw than it takes Carson Wentz. So if you're going to talk about mobility, you might say Carson Wentz in an odd way is the most mobile quarterback in this class, even though he's physically the most immobile. Interesting. I, I wanted to. It's funny you mentioned that because I did want to just real quick ask you because he's the basically the one of the, the you know the five guys that everybody's talking about from uh, that doesn't really r run the ball. He he's not you know he doesn't have that kind of mobility. Do you, do you worry about his fantasy ups? I know you like him most from maybe an NFL perspective, but he's almost got to be like an elite passer to, to overcome the fact that that he, he's basically a zero as a runner. He is. And so that means, yes, that none of these quarterbacks in this class to me have elite upside. I, mm. I just don't, I don't really, I think if, I think if any of these quarterbacks becomes a low tier quarterback one, they have exceeded expectations. Um, okay. I think if, and, and I think there's a couple that might, if they exceed expectation, have a chance to exceed them greatly. Like, who would that be? I think Matt Corral because of the mobility yeah. and because of the ability to do some of the things that Carson Strong can. I think I think Kenny Pickett in a great offense can mm -hmm. give you some of those Kirk Cousins type of games, you know, years where he's close to top five. And I don't see it, but you know, if Malik Willis, if Malik Willis can follow the route, everyone wants to say he's Josh Allen. It, or it could Ooh, be Josh no. Allen. Oh, but no. There's such no. a confluence of factors yeah. that are going to have to have yeah, yeah, he, Josh Allen. Yeah, he's ever. amazing as a runner, but I, I've been watching some Malik Willis. Oh, I, I'm a novice, Matt, but I, I do try and watch <laughs> these guys, and he's got so much to work on in the passing yeah. game. You're, the eyeball test um, succeeds. <laughs> on that for sure like you just look at it and go wow you know so and it is i mean there's but there's there's something there but i think this is this is more marketing of the draft of like mm. the high-end athlete of what he could be and and he could exceed i mean but it's josh allen was the exception in that regard so 
there's that. And there's a couple other guys who are intriguing. Bailey Zappi's interesting. Like I, yeah, I, I like a lot of what I saw about him, but again, he's, uh, he's going to have to be in an offense like Drew Brees and have to show some things that I think Drew Brees showed more of than he did for that to happen. And then there's another guy that, um, I'm just going to wait because I haven't seen him yet. Um, but I'm he's on my list for this weekend, and I keep I keep hearing from people I trust, like Mark Schofield and Russell Landy. And Russell mm. Landy didn't mention this guy by name, but I know he's talking about this guy. Um, and Russell Landy is the head of U.S. scouting at uh, uh, the Montreal Alouettes right now, former NFL scout. He's been on. Ooh. He and I have done shows together. We'll probably keep he's incredible. Some. Yeah, but but Russ, you know, I do a little. I do a little unofficial you know stuff with him and so not much but like just a little bit and um but he mentioned he mentioned a quarterback that he likes that no one's talking about and i have a feeling this is the guy so well and so be so you're not talking so about we'll listen to like next he, week's podcast yeah okay yeah, yeah, okay that's yeah. fine that's fine well, as I said, it's a great tease great tease yeah, on that yeah, one. yeah uh the only other thing i really want to talk about with quarterbacks and obviously we can go on about this for three hours so we gotta kind of keep it moving here but I do want to see, like, you mentioned it a little bit, I guess, is how would you compare these quarterbacks against last year's class? Obviously, Lawrence is still that kind of, you know, coming in, he was that next Andrew Luck. We Obviously, we've seen Fields and Jones, I think, do pretty well and have a good future. But would you put, like, would you put Lance above them, too? I mean, like, where are these quarterbacks in, in your comparison? I think they're more in the range of where I had Davis Mills, who I had higher ah. than most. I had him higher yeah. than Zach Wilson. Um, so I would say... There's three to, there's maybe three to five guys at the end of the day who might be above Zach Wilson, who was my sixth quarterback. Um, and if not, then they're in that range, which is kind of like where I had Zach Wilson, Baker Mayfield, guys who, if you put a lot behind that team, if they land in the right spot, if they get they, the right head coach with the right play caller, with their, you know, all those things go right. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to elevate what's around them. They need what's around yeah. them to elevate yeah. them. Yeah. And, like and, the, and the two guys who have the best chance are probably are probably Matt Corral. Matt Corral's probably the best chance of that. But even then, conceptually, Carson Strong's better right now. But like you guys said, he's going to have as a fantasy guy. He's to me. I think he's going to have to be like Philip Rivers. Um, mm. to, to, to an order, and that's who his aspirational comp to me is, is Philip Rivers. That's a good comp. I mean, in, in the early Philip Rivers is a good comp. I mean, like, we don't want to get into the turnover king at the end of his career, Philip Rivers, but that's that's okay. That's a 12 yeah. year, whatever later. That's fine. Does so, he remind uh, you of Randy Quaid by any chance? Like, yes. there's something about him that reminds you. Like, there's Not that, a the look way. on his face. Yeah, it's like, you know, like you're waiting for him to talk about the aliens and what they yeah. do to him, you know? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've told my uh, I've told my Philip Rivers story on this podcast before being in an elevator with him, so uh, reach out to me if you want to hear okay. that. But uh, on, on running backs, I want to ask you something kind of specific. Um, you know, on on – we always talk about, well, the running backs will get on the field if they can protect the quarterback because otherwise, you know, they're not going to leave the quarterbacks out there with rookie running backs and things like that. Okay, yeah, we get it. Um, pass protection is something – is that something that translates to the NFL? Um, is that something that you can watch in college and you can go, okay, with college offenses, these guys, a lot of them don't pass protect a lot. So, 
you, you don't really get a chance to see that, right? But when you do, do you find that that's something that translates? Um, are there guys that you just know that it's like, this guy really gets it. He'll probably be able to do that, you know, whether he's talented enough to get on the team for other reasons, you know, maybe he doesn't even get the chance to play. But if he does, or even some of the higher end backs, if they can do it, do you find that that does translate and that that it, it's meaningful? Yeah, and I think you see it far more often than people let on. Um, you know, it just depends on how you're watching. If you're watching like cutups on YouTube, then you probably don't see it as often, right? Um, but if you're watching, if you're actually watching the games, the full games, or watching, you know, something else like coaches tape, things like that, you you're gonna see it, and you're gonna see, you're gonna see how they handle assignments. You're gonna get to see, you know, a lot. There's a a lot of ways people look at blocking and I would say this: some people go, listen, man, if they just give the effort, then I feel good about them being able to do it. That's one way of looking at it. Of course, you know, I'm a little more detailed than that. So I like to, I, I look at cut blocking. I look at, you know, blocks against, you know, where, how they position themselves entering the crease, how they use a punch, you know, breaking down what cut blocks look like and all the components so you can see like can and then who they're blocking are they blocking defensive ends and defensive tackles or are they blocking linebackers or are they blocking cornerbacks safeties yeah you know right. and and so those things help you too and when you start to break all that down you do begin to see a guy like you go oh aj Dillon can block like this guy could even handle a uh uh, like a legit SEC defensive end on occasions, you know, he's, he's not, you're not going to ask not him to like be on an <laughs> yeah, island. He's a big you know? boy himself. So. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you're not going to put him up against, you're not going to put him up against Chandler Jones and say, have at it, baby. You, you got, you got 50 reps with him today, but like on the back side, you know, maybe on the front side of a play where the quarterback is like, okay, I know that I've got, Aaron Rodgers, like, I've got A.J. Dillon on Chandler Jones right now. I know that I better get this ball away quickly, and he'll be able to hold it for that. But if I, but if, if my first read isn't open, I better get away, you know, and that's base, you know, but that's useful because there's other sure. times where you might go, I have, I'm trying to think of somebody and I can't right off the bat who's especially bad but you know if he's like i've got matt waldman on the edge you know <laughs> doing this he's gonna be like i'm rolling left as soon as my drop begins you know right. that's you know that's a big difference so or i'm audible to another play i gotta bring a yeah. tight end over here get out of there because yeah. he's gonna be he's gonna have to double team with this tight end at least or something like that right um have you watched kenneth walker at all absolutely i'm done watching him okay so i um I'm a Michigan fan and I knew going into the game, you just got to stop Kenneth Walker. That's all you got to do. I think the defense knew it. I think they still couldn't do it. It was incredible. It's, it, it was, it was amazing. Uh, he just ran over him and, and I'm like looking at you. Yeah, he looks bigger than he is. He's really not that big. So it was, it was very impressive to me, um, honestly. Uh, and so that's, that's great. But, you know, can he catch? Will he be a three down back? Do any of those things, uh, do you think that that's even a possibility for him? Can you even tell since they didn't throw the ball to him very much? Um, that's the fun. That's always a fun question, too, is like like with Melvin Gordon, Leonard Fournette and a number of other players. I found Jonathan Taylor quality um trumps quantity most of the time because mm -hmm. if you're breaking oh, okay. it if you're if you're breaking it down 
to the techniques they use, how they whether they can track the ball correctly. Um, they may not be great route runners, and that becomes the question because, like, you know, if you want to say who's the next Brian Westbrook or the next Austin Eckler or James White, then you're like, there. I don't have enough reps to show you because all they're running are screen passes and wide routes. Sure, you know, sure. and then at that point, you're like, it's a what are you evaluating? Yeah, it's a major projection. But if you can just, but for catching the ball, there's oftentimes I can look at some things, and there's enough put the pen down moments, as Mark Schofield would say, you, you know, where you look and you go, oh, I just watched, you know, I just watched um, Kenneth Walker run a wide route and the ball's over the shoulder and he extended for that or he extended low and away on the move and been able to catch a ball off his shoe tops without having to leave his feet. That's enough for me to go, the guy can catch. and do it. Track. Yeah. It's just about running a route. So, yeah, I'm interested in the size. Because mm. I looked at them too, and I thought they've listed them at 220. That seems awful, awfully generous. But yeah. maybe he's maybe he is that heavy in the legs, and maybe maybe he adds another five or ten pounds of upper body weight. And now he's like 227, and you're like, whoa, I you know, or the jersey number, you know, the jersey, you know, people laugh about this, and you know, <laughs> I always feel ridiculous saying it too, but it's true. Like you can look at a jersey number and you see like number one, and you go. That guy's a little guy. small, and yeah. then he's in the NFL, and he shows up wearing twenty four, and you're like, "Oh, yeah!" Suddenly that looks right, you know? Yeah, so, eighty eight. You're like, "Oh, so he's true. big, man." 80, yeah, you know? uh, yeah, yep, very true. Well, and I think just to kind of wrap up with the RBs, I mean, on this one, I mean, what I, we kind of asked this before, but again, I think it's the same idea. What What would you say is your favorite running back in this class? Do you have a guy that? you're kind of high on that maybe the, the crowd is is missing or that someone's not really talking enough about that you really seem to like out of this group? Oh, yeah. There's always a few. Um, you know, let me look real quick here because I I know who I'd like to mention a lot, but I've talked about Keontae Ingram a fair bit. So I'm, you, you know, my I, guy. you know, yeah. he's, like he's a guy ago, that I think a ago. lot of people probably already know and and he's going to be known as a major sleeper i'm going to talk about somebody else who may not ever become much but he's going to probably grade out high for me depending on the combine that might alter it a little bit is fresno state running back ronnie rivers Ooh, ronnie rivers who is a who is a 5'9 195 pound kind of scat back who um Catches the ball really well, runs good routes, might have some of that James White in him. Ooh. And if he really, and if, he, and maybe, you know, there's that, you know, I look at him on Sundays and I go, there's a little Deion Lewis. He's quick enough. Maybe he's able to have that ability to make people miss. And he runs well between the tackles. He's got that contact balance. And then I start think, and then I start, you know, you start having those, you know, fever dreams of Austin Eckler and go, can he be Austin Eckler? I don't think he's there, but I think he's a lot better than people think. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, I think might be able to, you know, work his way into maybe a supporting role and with the right team, maybe start to prove himself to being a little more if an opportunity comes with injury. Um, so he's a guy I'm keeping an eye on. We'll see if that stays that way, you know, at the end of this month. And another guy I'll mention just who's the opposite end of that, but catches the ball really well is 6'1, 235-pound running back Christopher Brooks out of Cal. 
um, who was known as Christopher Brown before he changed his name. Um, he's strong, has underrated burst. I mean, this guy runs through people. Um, he he will he will make he will make holes. Um, so, and he's a guy that's fairly nifty with his footwork, has good vision. There's a little bit of like you know, there maybe there's a little C.J. Anderson going on there. They came from the same school. I like C.J. Anderson at Cal too. He was a guy I kept saying, "Here's a UDFA to keep an eye on." And Brooks is kind of that guy to me that I think okay. could be could be that next potential UDFA that you go. Where did he come from? Like three years from now, you know? I so, like it. Yeah, I like it. Well, I think. Before- I was going to say, before we move on to wide receivers, I just wanted to throw out there, because John McGlynn asked about him in the chat, what Matt thinks of Damian Pierce. I think he, you know, I know I said it in an article, I think he has a role, he has a role in the NFL. Um, I think he's a, Florida seems lately, I don't like to logo scout, but it seems like lately Florida has guys like Michael P. Ryan that could have a career in the NFL over a period of time but may never be like a high-end fantasy type of guy. And I think Pierce has a better chance than P. Ryan ever did. Um, but he's but Pierce is a guy who I like his shiftiness. He can really cut. Very good receiver. Like this is a guy who makes contested plays. He runs hard, finishes well. Um, he has a little more burst than you would expect and good vision. I don't know if he's gonna be have the acceleration that you're looking for to ever be anything more than like a mid-range contributor for a team, not necessarily even a fantasy team. Like maybe in a good year with injuries, he could give you RB3, RB2 numbers, but I don't think he's a guy that you're going to be going, you know, big name. He's to me, I think he got that senior bowl bump in the same way that, Um. that um, Felton did. And when you watch Felton's tape, you're like, this guy would probably be better off as a wide receiver because as his his decision making and understanding of scheme are really lacking. Whereas with Pierce, his scheme and technical and conceptual skills are very good. But I wonder if he has an athletic ceiling. We're about to find out, I'm sure. Interesting. Okay. Well, there's a lot of good names for us to go do some deep diving on. I appreciate that, man. Obviously, you don't want to give it all away. You got this, you know thousand plus page thing if people want more info they can go find that right that's where you do all of this all of this stuff but yeah let's get into the wide receivers before we let you go i know we really appreciate your time wide receivers i feel like are a little bit of a different breed this year it's it's kind of there's some discussion at the top is it you know garrett wilson and or is it Traylon burks or is it chris alave like there's some kind there's some kind of talent at the top but I mean, is Traylon Burks the clear one cut, like clear cut one hundred and one in dynasty? Like, is that your guy overall, or is there somebody else maybe that you think from the wide receiver group that should be better than him, or be you know for fantasy especially, but even in the NFL, like, is a better talent? Burks is in that tier. Um, he's in the top tier, um, and I would say with receivers more than anything, tiers are the best way to go because there's such a wide range of usage. Because if you took Debo Samuel and said, listen, man, we're going to make you, we're going to put you on the Atlanta Falcons and have you play Julio Jones's role. <laughs> right. It wouldn't work. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it wouldn't. He would probably be an eight or 900 yard receiver and, and he'd be good and people would 
be arguing about just how good he really is. And some would say he sucked when, right. you know, where you put him in San Francisco and have him that multi-purpose role. And suddenly he's go. one of the best yeah. receivers in the league production wise. Well, Traylon Burks is that type of player. And I, I'm still kind of like, I'm leaning more Debo than Cordero, but there's mm. some, there are some Cordero isms that are not positive about him, but he's, he's kind of a, a mix between Debo Samuel and Cordero Patterson in terms of how you can okay. use them. And, and people had some, you know, he, as Matt, um, oh, can't remember his name, former, former um, safety who, who was on NFL matchup with Greg Cosell, um, you know, who's a fantastic analyst at ESPN. Um, he, he was talking about Burks today. I saw a tweet and he said, Bowen. He, Matt Bowen, that's right. Yeah. Matt Bowen's awesome. And Matt, Matt said that he thinks Traylon Burks has the traits to defeat press coverage. And to me, what that means is he doesn't do it yet. You know, of right. course he has the traits, but he there's times that he really doesn't have a plan right now. So it's <laughs> not an immediate thing for him. And Debo didn't have a plan against uh, press. He was awful against press as, at SC. Um, and, you know, he's getting better at it, but that's not his jam either. And that's why he's where he's at um, in terms of the way he's being used. You don't need that all the time. But so Burks is in the tier. But so are probably four or five other players who are in that tier. And I would say one of the players in this tier that should be getting a lot more love, but injuries kind of derailed that love after an initial coming out party was Justin Ross. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I think Justin Ross could easily be the best receiver in this class. Now, the thing is, is again, it's about fit with all these guys. And when I'm studying guys, you know, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I might go, Traylon Burks is by far the best guy in this class. Or if I'm trying to be trendy on social media and say, Debo Samuel is the guy everyone's hot for. So let me find the Debo Samuel guy and talk about him. And I'm not right. saying people are consciously doing this just to get likes. But I think it's a way that people are strategic about going. Who's what? Who's going to be a hot guy to talk about? And Debo, and certainly Debo Patterson or Traylon Burks. That's my <laughs> kind of joke name for him. Yeah. Is going to be that guy everyone wants to talk about. But again, you know, if the if a team says they're going to do this, or you know, we got to remember, you know, and you're going to see this all the time. You see this all the time with the draft. People are going to go. People are going to go, well, they wouldn't have drafted him if they weren't going to use him this way. Right. Well, not if, you know, not if the coach and the owner and GM are not aligned and the owner and GM are going, well, the guy, the car dealer who I'm sitting in the sauna with, who's <laughs> making fun of me every week and giving me stuff that Colin Coward says and, oh. and telling me how all this is, is react. And I'm going to react by going, forget what all the scouts wanted. The scouts wanted Justin Ross because our offense He'd fit seamlessly in that offense, but my our owners like screw that and says I make the calls. I don't care about the three years of scouting you did. You I know, want the good PR. I, I, want, I, want, I want the guy yeah. ESPN's touting as the top yep. guy. Well, and I'm going to get me some some Burks, and now he doesn't yeah. fit, and that yeah. happens. Yeah. You know, yeah, that happens. Just I mean, uh, I'll just get the one that's most infamous to me was imagine how the careers of Vince Young. And Jay Cutler might have been different 
Oof. If Mike Heimerdinger or um, whoever, if the scouts got who they wanted was Jay Cutler, you know, and Jay Cutler basically was in a give up mode after his Pro Bowl season with the Broncos because they traded him to the the Bears and the Bears became a turnstile and he just became, you know, he became basically smoking Jay. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking Jay might as well have been like Constantine. You know, I kind of <laughs> joked that he was kind of yeah. like the Constantine of quarterbacks, you know, but yeah. like, that's the that's the thing is that you know Ross could be that good. Drake London could be that good. You know, oh, a lot Drake. of people don't like the a lot of people don't like the lack of speed. But you know, I remember Michael Thomas lacked speed. Um, and yeah, you can be quick and not him. fast, right? There, there's can, those differences too. Yep, yep. That's all important. Cooper Cup, <laughs> you know, all those guys. You know, it's about where you fit. And Drake London can catch. He can take a licking and keep on ticking. And he's a guy who who runs, you know, routes and gets separation, you know, in the ways that he needs to. David Bell's another one I love. Yeah. Uh, David I Bell like might him. be – I think David Bell's one of my favorites. Like, he's probably, you know, he's a fun one. And, and a guy I'll mention that I don't hear many people talk about, but he's kind of a hoss, is Eric Ezukanma, the, the Texas mm. Tech receiver, 6'3", 220, and plays like it. Um, you know, he's a little on the raw side, but you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun receivers in this class. It's another yeah. good receiving class. It's, it's not a like good last deep class. Yeah. With it's not the, like, yeah. Well, I was just going to ask with, with Ross, do you worry about the draft capital at all? Because, because of the injuries and all that, I, I would worry about it more if, <laughs> if like, if the medicals don't clear up and he drops to like the fifth or sixth round. Then yes, I would worry about the draft capital. If he's like a third round pick, no. I I think if he drops as far as the third, and what was brought up today, um, I think John Martin, who's a who's a Twitter analyst, who's an analyst on Twitter a lot, kind of emailed me something about how I guess Lance Zerline had a conversation with Debo about John Ross. And what a lot of people didn't know is that um, John Ross played with a fifth metatarsal injury since the week one and was getting shot up with Toradol pretty much weekly and played through it. And, and this is a type of injury that nobody usually plays through hmm. and especially a receiver. And he just gritted through it. And I've watched a ton of his 2022 tape and he didn't score much different than he did. than he did pre injuries. Really? Yeah. I, I was, that's, that's good news. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it's like, it was like Nick Chubb after the, it was like Nick Chubb after the knee injury, but he was like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I don't see, I don't know. I don't see a difference. And well, I watched it's also, it's also a case of that classic double counting, right? Where you kind of, you lower him down because he's injured and then he comes back from injury and people go, oh, well, he was injured. So we should lower him. Like we already did that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We've already kind of knocked him a little. Let's put him back where he should be if he can get back. And so that's what you're saying. Like, you're seeing it on the field. You're. You're seeing yeah. the same scores. That says everything. Yeah. Yeah. He looks fine. I mean, I don't, I didn't see it. The, the, the worst thing about him was his quarterback, you know, I mean, and, <laughs> right. and I don't, yeah. you know, and that's not a not a huge knock on the quarterback. It's just, he didn't have Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was a number one overall pick. That's a big difference. Yeah. It's a big difference. Yeah. yeah. You can't, you can't let that go. Yeah. I think the uh, the only other, I guess, I mean, we have a bunch of questions we could ask. Go for I, it. I, Keep asking. We're good. I do. I, I, we talked about this with QBs. We didn't get into it as much depth with the running back, but I am still curious. Like, what are the one or two traits that you do like really pay attention to for like sleeper wide receivers? Like in a dynasty draft, when you're in the second and third round, what what kind of traits should we be 
pulling out and like focusing on for those deeper wide receiver options? Well, for for one with receivers is from cat. We'll start with catching the ball. I want to see receivers who, when they bring their hands up to catch the ball, their hands are together, whether it's low or high. But what I don't want to see is this. Mm. And I see a lot of this with even good players. And when you do this number and you're like a, you know, you're a, you know, a four-year-old learning how to catch the ball, the ball bounces <laughs> off your head, forehead when it goes through your hands like this or hits your hands and fl- goes flying. And you see guys like that. So you want to see guys who, when they can bring their hands up, they bring them up together and they have very good technique. So that's one thing. I just um, got to say, I played I played wide receiver. That's the position I know best. That's the position I seem to have the most success with in Dynasty too. But that is something I literally learned the first year, the first week of being a wide receiver. So I have no idea how you get to be a college receiver and you catch like that. It just literally makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I, I learned thumbs below the waist pinkies, above the waist thumbs, and then we caught tennis balls all day with fingertips. You catch with your fingertips. I, I mean, I learned that week one, and I've known it ever since. It just like, makes no sense to me. Like Deontay yeah. Johnson going back to those basics um, this year to figure out how to stop dropping the ball, you know? Right. And he only had one drop through, like, the first, like, 10 or 12 weeks because of that. But, yeah, but here's the thing. A lot of receivers don't get taught, so what happens is – they're ungodly fast. They're ungodly strong. Just they're talent. ungodly quick. Just talent. And yeah. the guy in the SEC goes, well, this guy's going to make me money because we just we just throw the ball up and he's going to beat 95% of the people we got. Until we play LSU or Georgia, you know, we're going to be okay. And then we'll find the – Someone else will teach him how to catch. Exactly. Or we'll get the super technical guy as well. So if that guy isn't working, we got the super technical guy too. But that's one thing. I would say also – I want to see guys being able to drop their weight and come to a quick stop on hard breaks. Um, that's something I want to, that, that expands the route options that they can run. Um, you know, so that's part of it. Um, I also want to see a guy and then the third. So I've given you a route thing. I've given you a hands thing. And then the third one would be releases where I want to see, you know, someone use a, both a combination of their footwork to set up a defender and then counter with their hands. And I want it to be different moves. I don't want it to be the same two moves uh, because if they're that predictable, they're going to get their, their ass shut down pretty That's much. That's a good pre- point. Pretty quick. Versatility so, too, right? Being able to do different things in different situations and like being able to use different tools in different ways. That's always good to see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A good example of that is the contrast to Debo Samuel's Cooper Cup. You know, Cooper Cup, you know, Cooper Cup had a great hands and feet game with releases. And also after the catch, I mean, his stiff arm was fantastic all the time. You see him against pack 10 guys and you're going, I don't know why anybody isn't talking about him. And, but he was a guy that at the senior bowl, when, you know, they did wide receiver workouts were always the most fun to watch to me because they gave the most information mm-hmm. um, uh, that you can look at in certain ways. If you understood the drills and one of the drills that they like to do a lot is they would get cones and they would have a narrow width, between cones like maybe a five yard window at most and they'd put a receiver one-on-one with a cornerback and the good teams the teams that ran a good practice would do this 
and and they would say okay you can't go outside these cones mm-hmm. you got to separate quickly from the defensive back and go outside and can't get outside these cones and the the three years that i've seen that happen um pretty much every receiver failed on miserably <laughs> at it debo samuel could not Debo Samuel was like mowing over the cones. He was like well outside on the median, you know. He was in, yeah. he was like at the rest stop, like out in the weeds, like basically, <laughs> you know, ba- basically relieving himself at the end of this, you know, like taking took a his break. Driver's license yeah, after that, exactly. You know, it was you know, but there were a lot of guys like that, and then he got a little better. But the guy I saw, the only guy I saw who like beat everyone every time, and with a different move or set of moves every time was Cooper cup that like watching him was like, I was, it was like watching someone. It was like watching David Blaine do magic tricks and like mm. do different ones all the time. And you're like, and you're going, <sighs> these are the same old car tricks, but he's putting a new spin on them. That was Cooper cup. It was like, he had different variations. It was like, Oh, I could do this all day, you know? And I'd never seen a receiver do that before. Is there anyone in the 22 class that, that kind of stands out to you in those in those kind of traits? Like that's someone that's not quite in that top tier, but like someone in those later rounds or even like the Justin Ross type, somebody you think that might be dropping a little bit that has those talents that maybe isn't getting enough recognition? Anything you can give us on the depth there? I really like Braylon Sanders. Um, yeah. I don't know if he's high up there he's or fast not. Too. Yeah, he is fast. Braylon Sanders is a guy that I'd keep an eye on. Um, I think... I think Jalen Naylor out of Michigan State's kind of interesting. I don't know if he's fast enough, but he's kind of he's kind of interesting on that regard. Um, and a guy that um, I'll give you two more guys. Um, Tyquan Thornton, I think, is fast and has something to him that you know I think he can develop, but he may not be in that that thing. Or actually, three. I'm going to give you three. Kwame Lassiter, <laughs> Kwame yeah. Lassiter out of Kansas. He he can win press. He he has he has to get his pads down a little bit more, but he has moves. And I watched him against Texas and was like, I thought I was watching Stefan Diggs a little bit at times. Ooh, like in terms of release game, not everything else, but in terms okay. of release game. And then a guy I just like who I'm just waiting to see how he runs. I don't think he's been invited to the combine, but I want to see his pro day is Johnny Johnson the third out of Oregon. Johnny Johnson the third is six feet one ninety eight, and he makes those catches that you're just like, um, how did you do that? You know, the, how do you how did you do that type of catches? And he played, you know, played with with Herbert, and he did a really he made some catches that I go, these are some of the best catches I'm seeing in college football, and nobody talks about this guy, and he's a physical blocker, and he's and he's. You know, if he's got the, if he has enough of the baseline athletic ability, he could be fun. Well, so now, yeah, you're talking about guys in like, you know, third, fourth, fifth round of, of dynasty rookie drafts. So that's exactly what we're looking for is some of those, you know, later flyers, those later little nuggets that we can kind of, in the dynasty community, that's people that we should take a, a, a definitely a closer look at. And I think too, as we kind of wrap this up, even there is something to be said about players that are, you know, who we're attracted to now or who we're looking at now. But once we have landing spots and draft cattle and all these other things come into play, the picture becomes a lot clearer and it becomes a lot more fun to kind of then say, all right, well, now we know so-and-so is Johnny Johnson is playing with Kyler Murray. How does that affect it? Right. right. Like it gives you all of these different uh, you know, options to kind of read out the 
and kind of see where the, the, I don't know, the route tree is going to go and see what the coaching tree is like, okay, what do they usually run? What are they? And it kind of adds a whole bunch more fun to this. So it's, it's interesting to talk about it before the draft because it's almost like we're unbiased now. We don't have any of those other things. We can just learn about the players. And then once we know the situation, we can add that into our mix. So that's also what I love about what you do at the RSP is kind of breaks it down from a player standpoint, from a trade standpoint. It, it, num- it numerically puts a value to every a subjective thing, you know, and that's, that's just not everybody does that and not everybody and everybody that does it doesn't do it well. So that's why we're really uh, big fans of what you do over there at the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. I know, Scott, one thing before we let you go, Scott definitely had something he wanted to ask you. Scott, are you ready for this question of the one and only Matt Walton? This is, this is the hard hitter, Matt, uh, to, okay. to send you off with. Um, but one one thing I want to just tell the listeners real quick before that is, you know, imagine that your neighbor is an NFL scout and he's never home, but occasionally when he is, you get to have a beer with him. You talk some shit. He tells you about all these players and stuff. That's cool, whatever. But imagine that you could hire your very own scout and he covers all the players, all of them, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends, every single skill position player. And he's going to give you a full report on those players. And it's only going to cost you $21.95. So mattwaldman.com, buy the RSP. Just, I don't even care if you read it. Honestly, I hope you don't, because I don't want you to have the edge. Because uh, it's been point. great Wait a for what me. Are we doing but, here? <laughs> but I do want you to support Matt, so... Yeah. mattwaldman.com buy that and and on top of that uh you now started last year i believe you started with the uh dynasty uh the second level uh, almost to that uh to the rsp and that's going to take dynasty steps a little bit further there and so that's another uh one that i don't want people to know about but hey uh go <laughs> go buy it and then uh forget don't how to download it, it. and right. uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> But well, I appreciate that for please sure. Please do that. Please yeah. do that. Um, okay, my final hard-hitting question. And since before the show, you told us you've recently changed your diet, but you and Mark Schofield always talk about what you guys enjoy cooking. So I need to know your latest your latest meal that you've been uh, that you've been cooking a lot during this this prep season. Oh boy. Well, I've I've gone to a plant based diet. Part of it is um, so, wow. and it's not because of for ethical reasons or anything like that. I used to be on a plant-based diet when I was uh, when I was younger and didn't have any type of issues whatsoever. So I'm trying to avoid any type of issues um, now that I'm 52 years old. So um, and sitting for you know 12, 16, 18, 20 hours. It's brutal a day. what it does to the body. Yeah. So. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to fix that so that I can continue doing this for a while. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'd say I've made a really nice, what you would call a, a cauliflower steak, um, which my wife, who is an inveterate meat eater, who like could probably eat steak every day and be happy. Same um, way. Though she's in, <laughs> she's in steak jail right now because she has gone to the doctor and the doctor was like... I think I, you know, and normally she's in, you know, she, she's usually in great health and she has been, but, uh, but they were kind of like, yeah, maybe you want to lay off this for a little maybe bit. A couple so, of she, so I put her in meat jail and she's, in, she's been, <laughs> like she's, set, she's six weeks in and, and it's going well, but the, but the, the cauliflower steaks a, a favorite with a chimichurri sauce or with a balsamic glaze. Cause it gives you that, that meatiness texture. 
and it gets <sighs> that you gets that roast you get you roast it after you pan sear it um so it's soft the pan sear kind of gets it gives you that um that that sear type of you know taste right but then you right. then you soften it up in the oven um the consistency so, that texture so, yeah yeah so that one's a good one um i'm trying to think of what else i'm using um you know certain stir fries i do with like a that are like a um sweet potato um kind of like a, a baked sweet potato okay in, okay uh, chunks with the stir fry with um you know kind of like a, a garlic chili type of sauce um that's that's gone over pretty well that that could um, that could work that that i could do yeah. that i and, could do and then and then i would say a thing that's kind of a surprise for a lot of people is is i is i use plant-based pastas like bean paste bean 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 pastas and they're pretty good i mean unless you're like unless like you're someone who's like die hard i need to have like my wheat or my wheat pasta type of thing and it can't be any different they're a little gummier than 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 other stuff but unless you're like that specific i they're good and so so i use those and i'll make a a um a cashew cream that Ooh. makes an alfredo with a cashew cream okay um, okay that that is very good with some like king mushrooms that gives it a nice immediate meatiness and um you know and some things like either broccoli or kale that that you can saute up i don't know my wife likes everything i cook i the, the biggest problem is <laughs> the biggest problem is is that usually she gets away with eating meat because i'm so busy that i'm not making time to cook she but, sneaks now in. but now that she's in meat jail i'm the one punished because i have to cook all the time so i'm, I'm cooking at night well that's awesome. I know. I was just right. going to say, I know Scott's question was supposed to be the last question, but I have a burning question I've been wondering all episode. What exactly <laughs> is going on, on on the board behind you there? Okay, so uh, <laughs> the half on this, the half on this side, yeah, the half on this side, if I can point right, is still some leftover route stuff that I've that I've kind of kept on here about you know basically wide receiver routes and the steps that you take with some of those things. There's another play. I draw up a play or two a day where I just kind of, I don't try and commit into memory right now, but I just kind of draw it up to get familiar with the concept of where these things are supposed to go so that when I see stuff, maybe it triggers. Um, on the, on, yeah, on this side now <laughs> is um, those are chord changes to, to different tunes. Cause I, I nice. was a, I was a musician in a past life, stopped playing for about 30 years. And last year, Part of my get back and doing things to be healthy is getting myself to have to do things where I stand up. So I was a saxophone player. I studied music for about two and a half years at the University of Miami. Um, and I was a I, I was for a short time in their jazz jazz studies program there. And so and played a few gigs on a weekly basis, you know, almost weekly and did things like that. So I started playing again and I took up the bass um, this summer. Wow. So I have a, I have a sax lesson tomorrow. I gotta go, gotta gotta go <laughs> do with a local pro. But I'm learning tunes, and I've got to you know. So I'm those are harmonies that I'm learning and and writing them down, so I I can kind of like get a feel from remember them or just play through them over while I'm looking at them. So well, it's good I don't to know have if you have space in your brain, man. Well, I was gonna say it's good to have the analytical and the creative, but man, yeah, I, I don't know how you have room left in there. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, yeah. hey, so. 
you know. Come for the scouting takes, come for the dynasty talk, but stay for the the chimichurri sauce on that California, you know, cauliflower steak and the, the tunes that you're playing here. This is exactly what we love about the junkies. We really appreciate your time, Matt. Uh, I know you've got a lot of work to do to get that thing put together. So any any time we can get is definitely valuable. And uh, we really appreciate you bending the ear tonight and uh, giving us some new guys to talk about and think about. I really appreciate it. And I just have one last thing I'd like to mention quickly is that with the <laughs> sure. RSP, um, for those of you who, you know, appreciate, you know, you know, businesses giving back, one of the things that I've been doing since 2012 has been giving back to an organization called Darkness to Light. And they are one of the more highly rated charities on Charity Navigator and their purpose and mission is to prevent childhood sexual abuse. And obviously it's a taboo subject. It's a difficult one to talk about. I know that, you know, we've got a lot of people who give back and, you know, people bring that stuff up and you hear lots of retweets. But, you know, when when I when I retweet this one, I inevitably know that I'm going to get crickets on it because it's a it's a difficult topic. And people don't like to talk about it either because it's something that's occurred or they know something that's happened and it's and it's a very difficult thing. But this organization does a great job on educating people on how to prevent it, whether it's civic organizations, sports teams, universities, um, you know, public schools, you individuals, you name it, as well as how to handle the issue when it does happen. Because unfortunately, some statistics even show that maybe as many as one out of three people have encountered or experienced this type of oh, potential yeah. abuse in their life. Wow. Um, and so it's one of those things that if, you know, one, one of the things that can happen that's most damaging isn't the actual act itself, as horrific as that seems, but it's the fact that because why it's so taboo isn't because it's, you know, people like to characterize it as that creepy guy in the panel van who's offering candy on the street to some kid. When it's actually a father or a mother yeah. or an uncle or a cousin or a brother someone or someone you know and trust yep. someone you know and trust and then what compounds this unfortunately is when the kid reports it and no one believes the kid and then the kid has to continue to live in the situation even if that act has only happened once the behaviors that created that act continue to happen over and over again and then that that's what really makes it hard for for adults who finally do come to grips with this to work through it. So I would say being able to educate people on how to appropriately handle it, especially family members who want to mean well and yeah. sometimes screw it up, you know. And so, you know, as someone who has seen how this has happened, um, you know, and have known people in my life and seen how this has happened, both on the good end and the bad end, I can tell you it's a stark difference. You know, yeah. it's the difference between some people having years of therapy and some people needing maybe months of therapy and being perfectly great and like, you know, moving on from this, where some people are punishing themselves for a lifetime. Well, no two brains are alike, right? And, and that 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 is a great cause. And we're really glad that you could mention that. And I, I love that you do that. I know that that's something that you've done for, like you said, since 2012, you've done that for years. And I think that that's something that this community is is really good at doing, I think, is giving they back. Are. And I know Scott Fish, obviously, is tremendous at that. There's a lot of people, John Bosch and the Eliminators. I mean, there's everybody, every everybody that puts Fantasy in charitable. Moose for sure. Yeah, you got yeah. the FF Faceoff guys with the Hayden Hurst Foundation. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different people trying to do a lot of good work. So that's yeah. what we're all here for is it's a good hobby. It's a good time. It's a good distraction. But we're here to help fix some of those real world things where we can too. And obviously, that's a that's a great cause. So really appreciate you bringing that up, Matt. And again, 
You're at Matt Waldman on Twitter. You go to mattwaldman.com, find all the stuff that you got, buy the RSP, but like, like Scott was saying, buy it. Don't read it. through please. it. But yeah, just, just put please. it aside. Wait till after our drafts that we have together, <laughs> then read it and then find out why you need to trade for my players. Cause that's going to be pre-order it. So yeah. Matt gets the money to buy yeah. some cauliflower steak, but then forget to, you know, get and reads for my email. saxophone. Yeah. yeah. Put in Scott's email. And bass strings. That's, that's about right. it. You know, that's, that's right. all I need is like, basically I just need the hamster to keep the wheel running. That's right. You know, that's right. I need reads. I need, I need some bass strings. We're okay from there. And, well, hopefully and, we can help with some of that. Hopefully some of our yeah. listeners are going out right now and getting that. But again, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Appreciate it guys. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks, Matt. Oh man. All right. So we're going to go on with our, our find me a trade. Uh, and I, I think this is one of those shows that just, it, it, it needs a little bit of a break. So let's just, whew, that was a lot of terrific info. I gotta be honest. That was great. So let me do this. Let me put the, uh, the settings and everything like that. We've got a trade this week from one of our listeners, uh, actually uh, a listener who sent a couple of different leagues in, but Christian Crespo submitted this one. Uh, the league is a sleeper league, and it's called Another. My wife's going to kill me. I love that name for a league. <laughs> I completely understand the logic on that one. Uh, his team name is Dak Knocks My Socks, which, again, love these team names that we it's get. Great combo league. here. Great combo. Uh, this one is a 10-team dynasty Superflex PPR, one-and-a-half point tight end premium. Uh, so it's a 10-team with 23 roster spots. So it's, again, kind of shorter, not our usual depth. It's- it's actually closer to like an 11 team. If you think about it, it's actually, right. yeah, it's, it's uh start 10 was on here, but it's actually start 11. I was looking it's at start the, 11. No, it's a 10 team, uh, but start yeah, 11, 10 team, yep. start 11. Yeah. Yep. And, and there's uh, one QB, one running back, one receiver, one tight end, six flex and a super flex. So it's, I mean, it's a right. shallower roster, but a, a deeper start. I like that. It, it's, um, it's actually closer to a 12 team than, than typical 10 teams are. So you're still looking at it from the 12 team ones. Yep. And I think if you're, you know, if you're going to do a 10 team league, if I'm in a 10 team league, I want start 12, start 13. Like, let's make this, you know, a little bit more fun. I mean, it, nothing wrong with the start 10 and 12 team, like you're saying, but if you're going to have fewer teams. You might as well have more players per team. So we'll right. bring up the team uh, real quick. Um, let me see if I can get that pulled up. And if you actually, while I get that, Scott, if you want to read his comments about his team, that'd be yep. a good segue for that. For sure. All right, so Christian says, uh, and this is something I noticed as well as I was trying to click from uh, looking at the 21 teams and looking to these, I couldn't figure out who was who, (laughs) and it's because they had a lot of orphans apparently. So I don't know why they didn't do a dispersal with that many orphans, but uh, anyway, he took over an orphan team recently trying to move some of the older guys like uh, Mari Cooper, Mike Evans. He just traded Zeke for... AJ Dillon, Adam Troutman, Kadarius Tony, and the 204. I like that trade. Uh, and traded Renfro for the 110. That's that's also a great flip. I like that a lot. Um, been trying to move Pat Fryermuth for tight end, another tight end and a draft pick because he doesn't believe in him. So that's again, that's fine. It's not your guy. Let's move yep. on from him. And same with CEH, and that one I definitely agree with. Yep. All right. So let's run down the team here real quick. I don't want to get too in the weeds. Obviously, it's a shorter team anyway, but we've got Dak Prescott at the QB, Josh Jacobs, AJ Brown, Pat Fryermuth, and then the flexes, at least for now, in the starting spots. We've got Amari Cooper, Dawson Knox, Mike Evans, AJ Dillon, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Juju Smith Schuster, and then Kyler Murray at the Superflex. And again, in a in a 10-team league, I feel like you, you're looking at probably a little bit more depth. You don't need to be quite as crazy. But quarterback, he's got Daniel Jones, Mitchell Trubisky, and that's pretty much it, I recall. Uh, then at running back, we've got 
Kenyon Drake. And there was, I think there was, yeah, there was one more Jared Patterson and that's it. So again, a little bit light at running back in my opinion receiver. Then we've got Robbie Anderson, Cedric Wilson, Miko Hardman, Jalen Guyton, Kadarius Tony, who we mentioned before, and then some other guys on IR and stuff. You got Lynn Bowden, Sterling Shepard, and then tight end. We've got obviously outside the couple that we listed, we've got Albert Okbowigbunam, Rob, Rob Gronkowski. If he plays again, Brevin Jordan, uh, Josh Bates, John Bates, sorry. Uh, Dan Arnold, Trey McKitty, and uh, Tommy Tremble. Isn't that Tommy Tremble? Mm-hmm. Anyway, he's got some depth there at some of those other positions. But as we can see, it's not necessarily the most top-heavy team. There are some really good players in here. But maybe, I guess, Rocky, do you want to do your trade first? And and I know you had something specific you wanted to get into, so I don't want to keep it from anybody. I want them to hear what you got to say. <laughs> oh, you're muted, too, so. Yeah, I had a kind of a lot going on here that I wanted to get into. So uh, I guess maybe even before I get into my trade, it, it involves uh, involves acquiring Debo. And that's kind of set me off on a little side tangent because I, I kind of threw it out in the <laughs> chat. And everyone said that that the uh, almost everyone said that the 101 was worth more than Debo. And what I, I want to exactly. I, I wanted to get no. your guys' take on Debo, but at first I just wanted to give. I think I am higher on him the most. He's he's wide receiver ten in, in January ADP. They haven't done the February yet because I think because MFL took a while to roll over. Yeah, it's yeah. still going. Yep. Um, and I get kind of why because he's he's not as super young as like a Waddle and Chase, and he hasn't proven as much as like an Adams and Hill. So I kind of get it, but I still think he's a little undervalued right now, and. I mean, some of the arguments I hear against him, um, or you know, that all that rushing work he got uh, over the second half of the year. Uh, yeah, uh, thank will you that, very much. But uh, <laughs> well, the, the question of will that keep up and that kind of thing. Uh, but I was looking at it, and it's funny. I think people forget how good of a wide receiver he was the first half of the year. I was looking at it; it, it actually breaks out almost perfectly. He played eight game. He played sixteen games total. Um, they had a bye, so through week nine. He had 81 targets and only six rushes at that point. So 87 touches or 87, I'm sorry, 87 opportunities. If you go targets plus touch plus uh, running back touches and was wide receiver three in the first eight games when he barely ran the ball at all. And, and then in the second half of the year, it's almost exact. He had 93 combined targets and rushing attempts. So uh, to me, what that says is this is a guy Shanahan wants to get the ball to ho- however he can do it. So, and if you look in the playoffs, I didn't include that in the numbers, but he had two different games, I think, with double-digit rushes in, in the playoffs as well. So, And that's with Elijah Mitchell was healthy, I think, the whole playoffs. So yep. I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to tail off. And even if it does, I, I think Shanahan's going to tar- – he got – like I said, it was 81 targets in the first eight games he played. So it's it's 10 targets a game. It's 170 target pace over a 17-game season. So I, I think I may be valuing – and the other thing I hear, too, is the, the volume issue, especially with Lance taking over, that, that they won't throw the ball. But but last year they only threw it 514 times anyway. How, how, where do you think that placed in the league? It was 29th. Oh, man. So I yeah, mean, is, right. is it going to be yeah. that much lower than 29th no. in the league? No. So I think I'm valuing at least at least the people in this chat anyway. I'm valuing higher than them. So I really liked. I was looking to kind of. I don't. I don't think this guy's roster is a championship like winning roster right off the bat, but I think he has some pieces. And I was looking to level up ten teams. Uh, you know, you want you want as many studs as possible. And I consider Debo in that stud range. I think this is like the new norm. Yeah. This isn't a, a blip. Yeah. So 
Well, hey, we're in a we're in a CKC startup right now. And uh, where did Debo go? The the startup doesn't lie. Debo went three ten. Where did the rookie one hundred one go? Four oh six. Almost full round later. There you go. So there you go. The people yeah. of the Cool Kids Club have spoken, and there is no further <laughs> need to discuss. It is Debo. It is not you, the one hundred one. What are you doing? No, like, wait, wait. But get into your trade, Rocky. Yeah, get the into reason your, we're I, talking about the one hundred one is because the one hundred one's involved in my trade. And what I, the, what I was looking to do uh, was kind of leverage that that 101 aura, you know, the mis, you know, yep. the mystery of the 101, the like people even in the like this class, the 101, I don't think is, you know, all that valuable. Matt was kind of talking about earlier. None of these quarter. This is a super flex league. None of these quarterbacks project to be elite. It doesn't look like any of the running backs project to be elite. So uh, try and leverage that 101. And uh, another reason I wanted to do this too was because he went. He, I agree. I, I like to. I want to get rid of maybe some of those older receivers as well. Um, and especially if you don't think you're going to contend in 22. And one thing, kind of pulling back and just t- um, talking on a macro level, is a great way to get rid of them is to package them as an added value with a more attractive piece. If you try to sell Amari or you try and sell Evans, it's going to be a lot harder. You, you throw it in yep. with the one Oh one and it makes it a lot easier. So you got to make it shiny. Yeah. Yes, I agree exactly. with you entirely. Yep. Um, so my trade was uh, trying to trade. I would start with, I kind of had a more of a framework than an actual trade. Cause I have like three different offshoots of it, but it's trading the one one and either Amari or Evans. I'd let the other guy pick to team it's peeps. Um, for Debo and I try for a 23 first. I, you know, I don't know how tuned in these guys are. Maybe they don't even know how great the 23 first class is going to be. Uh, uh, 23 class, 23 first. I class. mean, most people have never even heard it. So, <laughs> um, you know, maybe they're not listening to podcasts all <laughs> no, the time it's worth and on Twitter. Shot. You got to try. Right? You got to try. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that the 23 first might be too much. Uh, my my original idea was actually I would be okay with just doing. Uh, I, well, I would add to it too if it's try and get that twenty three first. By the way, I would I would throw in like a Clyde or something like that, or yeah. early second. But I think he has the two hundred four. Um, but my original trade was actually and this is the one I threw out in that chat was uh, Debo and uh, or trade one hundred one and one of the receivers for Debo and one hundred nine, which the other guy has. Um, and I would even be okay with that. Not that the one hundred nine is going to be great, but you know you're just you're dropping down. You're still getting one hundred nine. He also has here. the one. 110 um you can still build up your receivers with those picks as well you know kind of don't worry about the running backs because you're probably not competing this year and uh it's peeps um he he that looks like you know because sleeper shows you if it's been traded so that 109 was his which means he was in the title game um Mm, but his uh because it's a 10-team league but his quarterbacks are like a mess and I, I can see how they would have worked sort of okay last year but he literally has no one that you can guarantee you can tell a story that none of his quarterbacks is a quarterback starting quarterback there he's got Rodgers, Taysom, Fitzpatrick both of the crappy Pittsburgh backups uh, Drew Locke, uh, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor so I mean there's a chance he could get two two or maybe even three I doubt that but there's a chance he could get two starters out of there but he may have zero well, so, but also just to kind of piggyback on that, that guy's got nine quarterbacks. He's got yeah. nine quarterbacks on his roster, and I'm with you. It's like, do you need nine quarterbacks on a roster of 23 <laughs> when you're we're got like Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Sam Ellinger? Like, 
I gotta be honest. When they're man, those like, guys, you do. Yeah. Well, true. But like <laughs> yeah. Jason Hill, Ryan Finley. This like, is just... like this is like Rocky's strategy on steroids. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> when Rocky thinks he need quarterbacks, yeah. he need quarterbacks. <laughs> exactly. So that's yeah. what I was thinking. You know, he may that's be interested in, in the one hundred and one. Uh, he can get any quarterback he wants. Uh, you know, whatever one is his choice of of top quarterback. Uh, and he also is stacked at wide receiver. He's got Diggs, he's got Adams, he's got McLaurin, uh, Hopkins, you know, is getting up there, but uh, he still, you know, could produce this year. So Debo is kind of somewhere in there where he could afford to down. He's not even losing, like just losing Debo. He's just downgrading to Amari or Evans. So I think it makes a lot of sense on his end too. And, and as a team that's probably trying to compete again after losing in the championship game, it seems like with the 109. Uh, he, you know, he might not mind taking on an older guy and and getting the one hundred and one. You know, he's not he's not just getting an old guy; he's getting a rookie in the one hundred and one well, that can upgrade his quarterback spot. So that's gonna, all my thinking. Well, that, that's a lot of thinking, and I like it. it but the is. thing I wanted to mention <laughs> is that now is the time to do that, though, because it's still February technically when we're recording this, right? We still got time for that one hundred and one to accrue value, right? There are definitely players out there that look at this and go, "Well, the one hundred and one is going to go up. I might as it well could trade be away anything, Debo. Andrew. It could even be a boat." <laughs> It could be a boat. I love that. I'm right there with you. I love that. Because here's the funniest part about this. There are people, and I don't know how active this is, but there are people in leagues that I'm in that would make this kind of trade, even though it makes no sense value-wise or roster-wise or anything, just to have the 101 to then have it on the clock and to send it away. Like they would literally trade for the 101 just to kind of tout it and be like, it's on the clock. Who wants it? Come and get it. And then it's crickets. We've all seen it where no one, everyone's like, no, no, you can go ahead. You know, it's all yours. It's all yours. But like, so it's, it's, you've got to be careful, but I like the idea of trading, trading it away now while I think it has some value to add, right. Where somebody on the other side sees it as extra shiny. I love that idea. And then Debo, yeah, and I, I mean, who knows get, where that offense is going to be next year. I mean, yeah, I like I it. I think as we get closer to the draft, it could even, as more people learn more about these prospects, I think it could lose some of its luster. Like I've just, you know, I'm not mad. I don't have to put out an RSP. So I've just in the past <laughs> week or two been kind of diving into some of these guys more and watching them on film and all that. <laughs> the best that, part is like when you're like, yeah, he's just terrible at throwing. And you're like, yeah, if fucking Rocky from Philadelphia thinks he's terrible I at know. throwing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, that yeah, was the buzz. I, I've been diving into these guys more. Uh, I've, I've looked at a bunch of the quarterbacks. I'm starting to get into the running backs, and it it is it is not exciting. <laughs> if, you, if you're yeah, and I think people are going to hear more about that. You know, I mean, you kind of heard it already, but I think as we get even closer, it's just going to be like, wow, none of these guys. I don't want to pick 101. Well, so. if, if, the, if the best <laughs> case scenario is low end QB one, like that's the best case scenario. That's not saying a lot. Right. Like that's right. not what we're used to. The last four or even five years really in dynasty has been kind of, you know, at least a couple. We've been lucky. We've been, yeah, we've been really blessed guy, to have some it, great classes. So and with the trade, if this guy values Debo the way that chat did, it might be a no brainer for him. Like uh like to me it was I, I liked it because for even with the one oh nine, because to me it was like I'll take Debo over the one oh one and I'm fine selling Amari or Evans for the one oh nine. So sure. but but if if, if you know, this guy, like we said, right now, still seeing the 101 is shiny. He knew he's maybe not as high on Debo as some other people. Uh, he might be because he had him on his roster all year. But uh, I, I think it could get done, especially, like I said, especially with the 109, which I'd still be fine doing. But I would I would pay up to try and pry the 
for 23 off of him. To well, try and and get one time. more note before we move on. I think we've done a terrific job of beating this dead horse. The only reason <laughs> I would say that this might not work is because he's only got six receivers, right? He's, he's a little shallow at receivers. So this is one of those, like, it's peeps only has six. And so if he's giving up Debo. He may only have six, but like. Well, Five of them are starters. So correct. No, and I agree. They're all starters. So it's the <laughs> that, opposite. That what I was going to okay. say is the opposite of your this guy's situation. You know, Christian's situation where he's got a lot of uh, starting running, not a lot, but like he's got starting running backs, but no depth after that. It's kind of the same the other way, right? Yeah. So like, he's, I mean, you know, and he's getting a, a a startable wide receiver, but either one, is, yeah. you know. And like I said, I would give him his choice. Like it makes it maybe even more enticing for him. Like I'll give you your choice. You can have Amari or Evans. I don't care. Yep. Oh, I like that. All right, Scott, what about your trade? Where did you go with this? Okay, so I, I'm just going to rant for 13 seconds because uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray is a guy that I've been trying to move off of uh, since the end of the season, and I'm, like, really super annoyed that all these negative stories are coming out because now nobody wants to trade for him, and it's yeah. just really pissing me off. Um, <laughs> but what I did here is I packaged two uh, polished turds to try to get um, <laughs> one better player here, and so... Uh, I put together Kyler Murray and uh, the um, the amazing CEH to the team LaManfran for Lamar Jackson and the 104. Um, you know, Kyler's still going ahead of Lamar in startups. And so although CKC, good job. Lamar went, I think, six <laughs> and Kyler was nine, something like that. But again, they're they're real close. Right. And uh, January DLF still has Kyler up. Maybe that'll adjust a little bit here when we get to February. Um, but regardless, even if they're close, uh, I would think if you're moving, you know, we often talk about, you know, moving within a tier and, and getting a piece, right? So we don't know how LeMan Fran feels about CEH, but if he feels this rookie class is weak, then he would say, maybe I'd take CEH and I'm essentially just moving from Lamar to Kyler, but I'm getting a CEH and I'll take that. And then for me personally, I'd rather have Lamar than Kyler. Uh, and so, I'm getting the better quarterback in my opinion, and I'm turning, I'm, I'm re-rolling with CEH if I want to take another one with 104. But really, I would take this the second level, considering he's already made some moves and probably looking to make more than just one trade. He's not just going to make one trade and then, you know, okay, he's done, right? Um, but that'll give him three top, I think, eight picks or three top. Is it? Does he have 101 and 108? He's is that 101 he has? and 110. And 110. Okay, so he'll have three, three top 10 pick three first round picks right that then he could take that and package to do whatever he wants to do with and again maybe it helps him move one of those older wide receivers maybe then he adds that in to get the 23 first with rocky's trade right yep. you know he could possibly cascade a couple of these deals together here and getting picks is just getting currency to be able to move around right when you're yeah. stuck with a player it is what it is. Somebody has to like him. And so, you know, um, if you can move CEH and, and get a pick now that you can move around and use as currency, I, I much prefer that. Well, it gives uh, route, you more flexibility. Yeah, it gives you more flexibility, right? It gives you some more ability to kind of package something together for a guy you really like. And the other thing that I think we all know, and, and this is kind of odd, but still very true. And I don't know if it really gets talked about, but the, 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 the worst value drop you're going to see on a pick is when it gets picked. Right. Whoever yes. like if, if you're as soon as that pick becomes a player, its value drops 20 percent. It's almost like as soon as you take that car off the lot. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of thing. So you want to trade those things if you can before you get to the, the draft. You know, if you're really trying to move them, now is the time. Right now is the time to strike. 
And I, I think that's actually a very fine trade. I actually looked at the uh, LeMan Fran team as well, because he's got guys like Barkley and Elliott and Singletary and Montgomery. Like he's got a ton of good running backs, which I think is, well, again, what I think this team needs, what Christian's team is lacking. But I think, again, the the Kyler to Lamar move, I could see somebody looking at that saying, well, Lamar kind of struggled a little bit. This Kyler hype, I don't know, 104. I mean, yeah, who am I getting? Is that better than CEH? Like, I, I like that logic. Yeah, and there is somebody out there that'll do that. I don't think I would do it. I'd probably rather have the, the Kyler side myself. But again, I mean, I, there are other people that would disagree and would rather have the Lamar side. Well, that's yeah. what yeah. makes it a good trade, right? I mean, exactly. there you go. Exactly. My um, only issue, yeah, my only issue is I just worry if you can pull the 104 with it just because. Oh, really? I do. Yeah, I do think Kyler and Lamar are pretty close. I think and the, the, the negative Kyler news a, doesn't help, though. And, and, and a, C, yeah, CEH to me is like late first early second value at this point like, i've had even in this, even in this class team. though uh, i think people would probably rather i mean he was the 101 two years ago i mean it's you know i just think people hate ceh right yeah they do like, <laughs> and they're right i mean yeah. they're, you know uh, but and, and i yeah i don't i don't love him i've been more of a ceh defender than most but uh, i'm even waning a little bit but i think you might need to i like i said about the 23 first earlier i might be able to add right another now, piece actually. <laughs> I, I might i might try and add even another smaller piece in there so maybe you're 20 yeah i think he is 204 something like that i'd yeah, be willing yeah, to course, throw in the 204 yeah, 204 yep. Kyler, yeah. or 301 you know, whatever you need yeah yep. yeah for sure for sure yeah, always be that. willing to add those later picks i don't mind that yeah so but, i'll get yeah. into mine unless you guys have more you want to get into on no, that one. i think good. that was a pretty pretty fair trade mine was a little bit smaller i know that's why i wanted to go with mine last because it's not quite as flashy but in my head, I'm looking at again, I'm looking at this team thinking, what do, what do I need? And it's tough to talk about need at this time of year. We always say trade away running backs. But I think that there are some running backs and some receivers even out there that are, are undervalued that are going to have a value bump. And so as much as I don't like trading for running backs, I don't mind trading away players that could see a bump up or down even. So my logic was I'm going to trade Juju and Cedric Wilson or some other bench receiver, because you got a bunch of them, but Juju and a bench receiver to this team named Hakey for Miles Sanders and Curtis Samuel. And the logic here is I think eventually Miles Sanders will have more value and score more points than Juju will if Juju is in the wrong spot. If Juju Smith-Schuster goes to the Chiefs, that's his upside. That's what you're you're trading on the, the ability in free agency for him to go to somewhere. But he might stay with Pittsburgh and struggle. He might retire. We have no idea. Like There are literally so many things he could do. He could go to Chicago and be a dud, right? We don't know. I think Miles Sanders is going to be okay. I don't think he's going to be great, but I just I, I'm I'm not trying to give you the jinx there, Bears fan. But I'm just saying there is some there is some talk that Juju is not going to be that great. So what I think you could trade him. Hasn't been mentioned to the Bears. Yeah, right, right, because they need it. But like, right. who knows where he goes? So there is someone out there, I'm sure, that is looking at him like he could be a boat, right? Like that we were just talking <laughs> like, about. He could go somewhere else. Awesome, saying that, right? And so it, he could be amazing, but we don't know just that. Could anywhere. Think, he could even go to Pittsburgh. He could stay where he stayed last year, right? Um, so as much as I like Juju and I love acquiring him for the right cost, I feel like people are are kind of down on Miles Sanders, but he's a terrific RB two option, just like Juju's a, a good wide receiver three option. And I think that gives you some some flexibility. And then adding Curtis Samuel is someone I'm trying to add in almost every league too, just because he he was hurt last year. He was out for most of the time. Nobody really remembers him, but he could be a sleeper that sees your lineup with a six flex like this. You know, you've got to get really creative in some weeks. So 
I don't know. What do you think about that one, Rocky? Am I way off base or is that a fair trade that you feel like would work? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty fair. I, I think Miles Sanders, and I think I've said this, uh, if not here, then definitely on Trade Addicts, that Miles Sanders, I think, is underrated at this point. Everybody right now hates, he is. Yeah. Everybody hates Miles Sanders the way they hate CEH. So, um, <laughs> and, and I think there is still upside there. They started to use him more towards the end of last year like more exclusively before he got hurt again, he was, he had 220 plus yard uh, rushing games. He just didn't score any friggin' touchdowns last year, even though the team scored like, like a whole bunch of rushing touchdowns, even outside of jail and uh, hurts, they scored a fair amount. And none of them were Miles Sanders for some reason. <laughs> so uh, we know they're a running team. That's probably going to continue next year, especially if hurts is still the quarterback. So uh, I like getting Miles Sanders and I, I agree. I think, I mean, I don't it's just like you said, it's a smaller deal, but I, I do like the side that you're getting uh, this guy's getting more. I think Miles Sanders is more likely to see that unless Juju goes to like Kansas City or something. I think Miles Sanders is more likely to see an eventual value bump than, than Juju is. And uh, I'll take Samuel over Wilson, too. Yeah, I think now before free agency is the time to, to move Juju if you're going to move him. If you really feel like he's going to go somewhere, then you keep him. But I think if you're you're trying to trade on that, what if? Now is the time, right before he signs somewhere. Scott, are you on the same page? Am I on the right track here? Well, listen, uh, if you want to hear my thoughts on Juju, you can check out the uh, Commissioner Evaluation Day Trader Show with myself and John McGlynn that we recorded this morning. There you go. Talk about <laughs> how much we hate Juju. And no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Juju's just weird, man. Like he's he's loyal and he's different, and he, you know, um, he just resigning with uh, Pittsburgh. So weird. Um, you know, Kansas City offers you like play with Patrick Mahomes or play with, it. Yeah. you know, like I don't, you know, the Jets. OK, I, I get it, you know, but Kansas City, why, you know, um, so, hey, who knows what's going to happen with him? Mm. I definitely I'm cool with with trading him. Uh, so, yeah, that's fine. And throwing somebody else. Um, I mean, you're kind of moving some guys right now that. You know, I feel like you're you're kind of getting rid of the guys that had a name like Juju for maybe guys that could, even though you could say the same about Curtis Samuel or maybe even Miles Sanders, but I think you're right that they're, those guys are going to have more production. And at the end of the day, let's move the name for the production. And so I, I understand that standpoint. Um, I just, I personally, I'm going the route of, I'm not worrying about running backs right now because I'm not at that stage to compete and I'll add those guys in later. Uh, but at the same time, a productive running back could get you another piece that you need or, uh, whatever you want that's kind of what so i mean it's, I, it's I not just any running no back it's, i think it's a running back that yeah. i think will see their value accrue and that's the point yep exactly. yeah totally yep. and, totally and, 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 by and the, we're trying to buy value this year this this and, time of year and by the way just to start maybe tie it on a bow i just think it's a kind of, kind of great this a lot of times we'll do these uh you know with the two of us and the guest or whatever and we'll all kind of be on the same track i mean he could actually throw out all three of these trades in some form yeah and right. potentially get them all done so so That's hopefully that too. happens for you, yeah. Christian. Yeah. yeah usually <laughs> okay, we come up with like one trade with three variations. These are yes. three very different <laughs> trades. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully that helps, Christian. Hopefully you can get something done. Let, definitely let us know. Tag us on Twitter if you get any of those polls or any of those uh, uh, trade talks there. But guys, I got to be honest, this is a hell of a show. We had a, a whole long, a long show today. So appreciate you sticking with us. All those that are in the chat. Yeah, obviously Matt Calvin, even John, longer than we thought. Ridley Truther, <laughs> we got a bunch of people that have been with us. And if you're still listening in podcast form, obviously you're a junkie. You're just like the rest of us. You're addicted. But uh, with that, we are going to wrap it up finally and uh, get going off of this. So 
I'll I'll start with the usual. We are all three of us on, which is a little different, and I kind of like it. We should do this more <laughs> often. But I'm at Andrew Hall FF, Rocky at Dynasty FF Addict, Scott Sidlow at Scott underscore Sidlow. Follow all three of us. Hit us up with anything you need. Uh, follow the Junkies podcast as well, Dynasty Junkies on Twitter at Dynasty Junkies. Follow the DAP Network at DAP underscore Network for when we go live. You get alerts for that. Also, you get all the other DAP Network shows like Trade Addicts and Fantasy Timeline and Get Real. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to us on all the podcasting platforms. Leave feedback, leave notes, leave a comment, leave a five-star review entirely blank. I don't mind that. Uh, just give us whatever you can do to kind of boost us up. we got a lot of great guests coming up. I think uh, next week we're still planning on having Heath Cummings. Uh, we've got uh, Jordan McNamara on the books. like So we've got some really good names coming up. But if there's anything you guys want to see or anything you want to hear differently, please let us know. Uh, but make sure that, you know, just keep keep interacting with us. That's the whole thing. I'll kick it to you, Rocky, to then kick it to Scott to close us out. So go I was going to say, do don't, don't kick it to me. Scott's so much better at closing I know. it out than I am. <laughs> uh, so, so I'll just say, uh, you know, I'm glad to, to have gotten to do this with you two guys tonight. Uh, we don't do the three of us often enough. We'll, we'll be doing it, uh, I think, coming up in March as well. So that'll be fun. Uh, but Scott, yeah, just go ahead. I'm, I'm, you know, thank you to Matt Waldman. But Scott, yes, thank you, to Matt Walden, for sure. Yeah, a- absolutely. That was uh, that was pretty special. Matt's uh, Matt's a different guy, man. I, I love him. So that was very cool. Um, so yeah, for all the homies in the comments, for our amazing guest Matt Waldman. For our fearless leader, Rocky, for the greatest host ever, Andrew Hall, I'm Scott Sidlow. Junkies out.